Hello, my name's Frank and I'm the host of the UFO Thinker podcast. I'd always been mildly interested in UFOs, but like many people, the events of 2017 ignited a fire of curiosity for the UFO topic, which has been raging ever since. I wanted to start a podcast, but initially thought, well, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I've never even seen a UFO. I'm just a normal guy who's interested in this mystery. But that's when a light bulb went off. There are so many other people just like me who are fascinated with this stuff. So why not start a podcast to talk about it from the ordinary guy's perspective? All the BS stripped away, as a few people have said. And let's see if we can get to the truth in all of this. Thanks to everyone who's been on board with the journey so far. It's been amazing to see so many listeners tuning in. And if you're new here, welcome. You can now support the podcast on Patreon with tiers starting from £3 per month. The podcast will always be 100% free, but supporting the show in this way allows me to devote more time and make the show bigger and better. Higher tiers also include special benefits such as being able to suggest episode topics and get merchandise. And I really truly appreciate every listener whether you support on Patreon or not. So now with all of that said, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so it's uh, my pleasure to welcome to the show today Ash and Greg from the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. How are you doing, guys? I'm good. Good evening, Greg. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> good evening to you as well, Ash. How are you doing, Frank? <laughs> I'm, I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, just um, it's a bit later than I usually record this, so I might be a little bit sleepy today, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'll be all right. This so, is a bit earlier for us. Is, is it quite early? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You generally record pretty late, then, you guys. Yeah, yeah. You about half ten onwards at night. Is it? Wow. Yeah, I'm usually a bit of an early bird. I usually get the recordings in quite early in the day with a coffee. So I'm, if I start nodding off, somebody just like make a loud noise and I wake up. <laughs> um, so I know you two as the the hosts of the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast, on which I joined you both for a chat recently before Christmas. Yeah. And um, Ash, you're also the UFO identified founder, and I attended the excellent minicon that you put on last year, as did quite a few of my listeners. But before we get into any other bits and bobs, could you guys both just give the listeners a little bit of background on yourselves and what got you into your respective topics? And you guys can choose who you want to go first. Uh, I go first. You sort of just mentioned a little bit then, so uh, go for it, yeah, man. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I had a sighting when I was eleven, a UFO sighting, and that basically kick-started off a lifelong interest in wanting to know what I saw. We saw something unusual. Didn't really not have any interest before then. Saw this sighting, and then sort of thinking, what was that? What where did that come from? What could it have been? And then sort of then started looking, going to the library, getting tapes out of alien UFO documentaries, reading all the magazines at the time. UFO magazine was quite big at the time. Started watching X-Files. I'm probably a bit young at the time. Some episodes were quite scary. But uh, I was watching them anyway. And yes, that's led to a lifetime of interest in UFOs and trying to find out what I saw. And then last, sort of probably the last four or five years, I had more interest in other sides of the paranormal, like ghosts and cryptids. So it sort of was all blended into one. And that led to starting the podcast. 
Brilliant. And how about yourself, Greg? Um, so, yeah, uh, started quite young. Used to watch a program called Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Mysteries, uh, which is probably off for air by the time you guys were born. Um, but in that, he used to talk about all the paranormal sorts of stuff, poltergeists, everything that used to freak me out. Um, but that that sparked my interest, and there there was a particular case that he covered, which was the Enfield poltergeist. Um, from there, I got into UFOs through the X-Files, um, then sort of waned a little bit then over the last sort of five ten years or so been back interested in in that kind of thing again um joined many paranormal groups um currently belong to a local paranormal group that i helped set up um a couple of years ago just before lockdown and then during lockdown me and ash started talking and got the podcast up and running so yeah um so like ash is more ufo i'm more or was more paranormal and it yeah it's worked really well yeah Yeah, while while you were saying that i just pulled this down off the off my shelf i don't know if you can see that there but this is actually i I can't remember if i mentioned this when i was on you guys show but that was pretty much the book that arthur c Clarke's mysterious world book that went along with one of his various like shows that he did yeah. and that was pretty much the book that really got things going for me and it's weird you know i mentioned it on a few other shows as well and loads of people have messaged me particularly from the uk saying that they had the same experience that that book or the, the, the tv series really kicked off a lot of things for them so i think um back then that was because there was no internet and you have to go to libraries to get all your like reference books back in the day. That was the one program I remember sticking out that ever covered like subjects like um, UFOs, poltergeists, crystal skulls, um, stigmata. That was another one that freaked me out, and it still is very odd subject that people have in the like the the bleeding from the proposed places where christ was up on the the cross um like proper weird stuff that was never really covered even in mainstream tv he was sort of it was like a half hour show if i remember rightly and it was just yeah he was an incredible guy and i think he helped develop the first communication satellite so he was a very switched on guy he wasn't just this crackpot doing tv programs um yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny that I never actually saw the TV programs uh, at all. I just, I think I got the book like from a car boot sale or something, you know, when you have like a jumbo sale at school or something like that. And it was actually when I was at primary school. So that must have been probably, I don't, I'm not sure when the TV show was on, but I would imagine it's probably after the show had already, had already finished. And um, yeah, I was reading this book, got really obsessed with it and got into trouble at school for like reading out all the parts of it to the other kids and giving them nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I just thought that was worth um, just delving into for a minute. Yeah, but um, Ash, I've, I've got to ask you then about your um, your particular UFO sighting that you had. Um, are, are you comfortable talking about it? Or Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so it was 1997, which I know because it was when the Hale, Haley's Comment was visible. Oh, yeah. And it was visible throughout the UK for about three or four months. So on clear nights, we'd just go outside in the street and have a look at the comet. And this one particular night, there's probably four or five kids and a couple of adults. I was out in the street watching this comet. Obviously, just 
in the sky station there, but it's just obviously it's pretty cool to see. And all of a sudden, someone pointed out, like, what's that over there? And it's like a, a typical triangle shape, light in each corner, just moving pretty big, just moving across the sky. Sort of from where the comet was, just moving. And just pretty fast, cleared the whole sky in about 45 seconds. And you could see, like, it was obviously quite far away, but you could see where, like, sort of the outline was, where the sky went darker in between the three points of light. So we watched it just traverse across the sky then disappeared and the adults like no idea what that was wasn't a plane it's just a typical triangle sighting and that's like i say that's kick-started off my whole interest never seen anything since that's me one and only ufo sighting sadly been looking ever since but yeah that was that and that was 1997 wow so uh, so was it was it kind of moving directly across the sky in a, in a straight line or did it do any yeah maneuvers? pretty much it's just yeah just straight line just pretty much nearly about just less than 90 degrees angle from us so nearly straight up and just straight across the sky just pretty fast like say cleared the whole sky in about 45 seconds and that was it it was gone wow yeah pretty cool the triangles have always been a particular area of fascination for me yeah so yeah it's an interesting one they've always been there like the triangle always been like a popular reported shape of ufos yeah yeah so one thing I found interesting myself as I've dug further into the UFO topic is you in- inevitably encounter strange goings-on and things like that, which have some crossover into that world of the, the paranormal. So you guys' podcast basically kind of combines the two. So obviously with yourself, Ash, coming from the UFO side and, and Greg from the, the paranormal side, how have you both kind of found the, the crossover there? must have led to some you know, interesting discussions over time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the our very first episode we did was about Yowie, which is Australia's version of Bigfoot, basically. And that was our very first episode back in December 2020. Can't get yeah. years mixed on. Yeah, it's December <laughs> 2020. And so in researching that, I found that over 20% of Yowie sightings over the years also combined with a UFO or lights in the sky event. That's well, that's a huge number of Bigfoot sightings or Yowie sightings that have also had a UFO connection to them. So when I looked into American Bigfoot sightings, the connection is there as well. So even going back to our very first episode, we found this link between UFOs and other aspects of the paranormal. And it's sort of a theme that's sort of always been present across like every episode pretty much. There's some sort of connection that we found with the guests or with events happening. There's a lot of combining, and that sort of led to think sort of various theories between what it is, what it could be, where they're coming from. So, yeah, it's just been, like I say, don't even want to add to that, Greg. Yeah, I mean, um, like Ash said, uh, some of the topics we covered the guests have had experiences across both. We've spoken to people who have all of them happen at the same time. So we spoke to John Edmonds of the Stardust Ranch and very much like Skinwalker Ranch, he has UFOs, aliens, men in black, um, unmarked police cars, um, like weird police officers turning up, poltergeist activity in his house, portals in his house, um, 
abduction cases in his on his property as well. So he's quite the sort of the one end of the extreme of everything. And then we have other guests and other topics, and like I said, where there's there appears to be some kind of link between all sorts of paranormal stuff. And it it's been fascinating really because I had an interest in UFOs before and then during this I've learned so much more about the subject and how they all seem to be linked. People have um like they, they walk in and there's like a time slip. They've seen UFOs, they have this weird experience, they go into a shop and it's gone back in time. They come out of the shop, they're back to normal all sorts of weird stuff and they all seem to have some kind of weird connection and it's yeah very peculiar and and like i said it is something that seems to happen across most of the episodes if not all of the episodes that we cover where some one aspect of the paranormal has also got at least one other aspect as well so yeah it's been very enlightening on our journey yeah, have you found much of a in the in the paranormal side of things? Is there much of a sort of hitchhiker effect? You know, like they talk about with um, with with UFO sightings, especially at Skinwalker Ranch and things like that, where you know somebody can and, and have some kind of encounter, and then they essentially like take that home with them, sort of thing. And then having it had one experience, it kind of leads on to other experiences, or even for experiences people around them. Uh, have you, do you get much of that in the in the just purely paranormal side of things? So we, so some of the cases that I've been involved with with the paranormal group, there have been instances where members of the family of a house that we've been um, working with have actually also had experiences away from the house. Um, they'll go on a like a, a, a public investigation somewhere and feel like they've brought something back with them. Um, so it does happen quite a lot where people uh, are quite worried that they're going to go somewhere haunted and it's going to come back with them, and it it does sometimes. And I don't know don't know why that is. But I think people are, are quite susceptible and and quite um, I don't know what the word is really, but they've got they have a, pretend, a propensity to sort of like have attachments or be more spiritually aware. Um, and that leads them to have more more experiences than they probably would have had had they not gone to a haunted place or or whatnot. And mm. I think as well, like the events seem to get more frequent or more things happen. So it start off small, like might just be the hearing noises. A couple of months later, they start seeing things or objects are moving, and that can lead up to being hurt or actually injured by whatever entity is attached to them or is in that property. And it seems to be that when, obviously when you experience something, I think it can open your mind up. So what you might have think, oh yeah, no chance any of this is real. But then once one thing happens to you, you can then start to think, oh, if that's happened, then all these other things could be true as well. This could be happening, this could be real. I think once you open your mind and sort of let them in, like the thoughts in, you can be more susceptible to more things happening. Whether it's like, the phenomena, however it is, sort of knows that or whether you're just sort of being more aware that you're recognising it rather than just brushing things off as, oh, it's nothing, when it actually is something. Mm. We've we've spoken to um, some 
people that claim to be abducted by entities on a regular basis and early on in their life they experience poltergeist activity in their house um, and that also seems to be something where some people have had experience of in the middle eight, like middle of their life uh, and currently and it's all when we talk to them and you go back and say okay when was the first time this happened I go well, actually I remember it when I was a bit younger and go has there been any sort of like poltergeist activity or any other like weird activity and they go actually yeah we used to me and my brother used to talk about uh, a ghost in our house or this guy used to have poltergeist activity when he was younger in his parents house and it's yeah it's interesting that there does seem to be a link early in life with poltergeist activity and ufo related activity as they get older hmm have you guys um, heard much about uh, the work of uh, Dr. Gary Nolan? He's he's done these uh, various uh, studies on on certain areas of the the brain of people who are more likely to have encounters with uh, with UAP. And um, I think it's the the I'm not a brain scientist, whatever the the, the proper word is for that. But um, I think it's the the bas- basal ganglia as uh, a particular part of the brain that's apparently is like more developed in people who have got um, you know people who are quite intuitive and and have um, highly skilled people like pilots and people who are really good at chess. And apparently those people are actually more likely. Have you ever come across anything like that with? with the, the paranormal side of things people are having has there been any studies done on on people's brains uh not that i'm aware of it's not sort of an area that i've i've really looked into to be honest with you i know there there are lots of studies but it's always seen a bit like ufos and uaps it's almost a bit like a fringe kind of science that people are aware of it but they don't necessarily um i don't think well, there may be studies on it. It's not something that I've seen, but mm. neuroscientist—that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds a bit better than brain. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit more official sounding, that isn't it? <laughs> but do, do you think we sort of get you know with with skinwalkers at the Pentagon and and all of these more kind of um, you know the the sort of weirder aspects of of uh, the UFO mystery? Uh, the weirder aspects kind of coming to the forefront a bit more recently, at least you know from from where I'm stood, it seems that that's the case. You think we sort of get into a stage where the the paranormal side of things and the UFO side of things are almost becoming inextricable? I think so. I think like like in the past, like you say, you'd have those that sort of believe in ghosts and those that believe in UFOs, all like as separate camps. And I think now, like I say, it's more coming together. I think talk about it more as the woo side of like ufology and sort of the study of it. And I think uh, a popular theory that's been talked about a lot is obviously dimensional properties or beings. And that's how all these things are linked or like portals where all these different types like ghosts, cryptids, UFOs are from a different dimension. They can make themselves visible to us. And I think that's where the, the combined and I think that's where more people are now open to sort of accepting that that is an explanation for all of the different panel things rather than just being UFOs just being ghosts so I think yeah you are right in saying that there is a lot more togetherness now I think with the different aspects hmm. anything to add on that Greg 
Um, yeah, I think uh, there's definitely there's definitely still the two camps, and if you go on social media, they're completely sort of separate. There's you've got the UFO groups and you've got the paranormal groups. Um, but like Ash said, I think more and more, and it's definitely something that we we talk about a lot that there is a definite coming together, and all these things are linked. I think. Um, and we, we do pose that question to our guests as well when they come on about, do you think it's all like under one umbrella now? And I think as time goes on, I think people will see it more like that. Um, too many things happen, I think. Um, like we said, with the UFO sightings and ghosts and cryptids all happening around the same areas and same at the same time, period that that people will see it just all as all as one i think it is whether it's just called paranormal i think that that's the difficult bit is you saying we could say yeah they're all linked but what do you call it because when Mm. you say paranormal you just think ghosts you say uaps well that's just objects in the sky or whatever um so i don't think there'll ever be a common term for it because um I don't think people like that umbrella name of what it might be because it's it then takes it sort of dilutes what their avenue of interest is. It's always like, okay, I'm into ghosts, so that's that's my route. That's the paranormal. I'm into UFOs. Okay, that's UFOs. And then you've got yeah. Bigfoot people in the middle. <laughs> but there's there's never a term that's going to link them all. I don't think. I may be wrong, but that's that's just my thoughts. Mm. Yeah, it's par- the paranormal is just, it's another one of those phrases with a very strong stigma attached, isn't it? It's a bit like, you know, UFOs was until very, fairly recently, that's starting to change a little bit. But yeah, it's interesting to think about how all of the, the more strange elements of the UFO, you know, the wider kind of UFO mystery, how they link together. But Greg, I recall you mentioned uh, when, when I was on your show, I think, I've wanted to ask you about this ever since, so now's the time, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> uh, you mentioned about doing um, actual like paranormal field investigations, Yes, um, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, d- how does that work in general? Like, What sort of things do you do, and are, are there any particular ones that, that really stand out as something crazy happening? Well, yeah, so um, the most recent one that we we've done is um a location called the ancient ramen it's um it's a it's not used as an inn anymore like a it was a hotel bar that kind of um pub public house type thing um about an hour from me in not it's, it's in gloucestershire uh in england and um it's supposedly one of the most haunted locations in the uk it comes up regularly in haunted locations around the world. Um, so me and the group that I belong to, we went uh, and spent a night there investigating. And so part of it is that I've got my equipment that I take. So we've got voice recorders, uh, infrared cameras, normal cameras, got my laptop. We've got um, mediums that come with us. Um skeptics technical people and so there's a small group of us that will go in and we'll have a wander around the place just to get a feel of it and within 
we got to the the entrance and somebody said to me have you just seen that thing move in the window upstairs and we hadn't even gone in the property at this point and right away i was just like what the, f- what the hell's going on here <laughs> i don't know if i can swear on this podcast yeah you're all good <laughs> okay. I, i've dropped the occasional <laughs> f-bomb over the over okay. the months <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like oh shit so we, we go in there, we, we offload all the camera equipment and whatnot. So let's go and have a wander around, just get the feel of the place, see what's going on. Because I've, I've been into properties before and I walk in there and it's just like, it just feels like a normal house. It doesn't, I don't get any sense of anything. Walked into this place and instantly it just felt a bit weird. So as part of our investigations, we'll go around, we'll have a listen to the property, see if there's any creaking noises because some old places they just, do creak and move in the wind and whatnot try and take a sense of where the roads are what the traffic's like because obviously that has a bit of a bearing on lights that may be seen and and sounds that may be heard and we'd been in there for about five minutes and we're walking around me and one of the guys and we were standing in this barn area and he's like heard this both of us heard this noise and he's like did you just hear that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking at you because I thought I heard something. Turned round, kind of freaked out at this point. We'd like heard this knocking noise, walked back through to a different area of the building. And he's like, did you hear that? I'm like, what? He goes, come over here. We went to this like doorway and he goes, I swear I heard a growling noise. <laughs> and there was literally six of us in the property, only two of us in this main part of the building and the other four were in the kitchen. And from that moment on, I was just freaking out the whole time. I've been doing these investigations for years, not that scared of, didn't think I was that scared of anything. And that, that whole night was freaking out. I wouldn't even be on my own in the property on my, like go walking around. I was like, somebody's got to come with me. Um, we, we heard noises. We'd done the Estes method, um, which I don't know if you're aware of. Um, so we, you get the, the spirit, but me and Ash have done it on the podcast and it's something we're going to look to do in the future because we've had some interesting results of it. And you get a spirit box, which for people who don't know, it's like a scanning radio. You put your headphones into it so only you can hear it and you blindfold yourself. So only you can only hear stuff that's coming through the headphones. You can't see anything. You can't be influenced by outside senses. And you it takes you a few minutes to, to sort of get into it and you kind of zone into to what's going on. Ash will testify to this because we done it while standing in the middle of um, Castle Ring, a, Castle Ring um, at Canuck Chase whilst um, in the pitch black it was it was quite freaky and what, what it does is you'll scan through the radio frequencies and the person who's listening just shouts out any words any sentences that come through on the spirit box and it's supposedly that during the white noise and the way the spirits can manipulate things that if there's bits of radio come through that there'll be intelligent responses to questions that people external to you are asking so we're outside talking to ash and Ash will, will ask questions that Ash can't hear, and he'll just fire out any answers or any responses he gets. So 
that's one of the methods we we used at the ancient ram inn and i had a conversation and i got told to fuck off by a spirit whilst we got it on video this guy that was doing it and i was saying you don't like men do you and he's like no fuck off so it's, it's it can be quite weird and it's it's a weirder method as ash will attest to because we've done it in castle ring and ash is just firing out responses that he's getting in his spirit box but doesn't actually know what he's saying and there was three of us there on the castle ring and the girl uh, the the lady that was with us who's part of ash's team said um can you do you know the name of anybody else in this group and ash almost straight away said abby and that was the lady's name that was with us it was completely weird. We got on videos, just like what? <laughs> what is- yeah. So, so, so do you, you know, the the videos? Do you do you put them on a YouTube channel or anything? Or so for the paranormal group, no, not really. Um, <clears throat> it's something that we'll we'll keep the evidence. We go through it, and because we're all so busy and we've got lots of stuff going on that. It, it takes time to get through. We've got, we were there from like seven o'clock in the evening till three o'clock in the morning. So it's like eight hours worth of footage to go through. And it's, it's quite a lot. So what we're doing on the investigations is if we do, we do it in sections and we'll get the voice recorders. We'll listen to see if there's been any EVPs recorded. And what we do is whilst we're having a coffee uh, every couple of hours, we'll, we'll plug it into the laptop download it and just have a listen live almost live and just see uh if we can hear anything there and then and then if we do we can ask further questions later on i'll go back to the same place if there was a an interesting piece of information uh and that's all we do is trying to gather evidence it's not about trying to prove anything necessarily it's just about okay we're there that night what evidence can we gather if anything, to prove either way that this particular place has or has not got any kind of spirit. Um, Sounds proper scary, man. I would have run a mile, I think, if I got that kind of response. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have seen me for dust. <laughs> but the thing is, I've, I've been to places on paranormal hunts and or investigations, they're called hunts online, but paranormal investigations where we just try and gather, we get got our experiments that we try, we record us doing them, and then if we get the evidence, cool. So we, we have got some bits that we've put up on YouTube that we're sort of convinced that what we've got on video is is paranormal. For example, we've had children's footsteps in response to um, somebody talking about a tea party. So that's quite a weird, quite a weird piece of um, footage. And you can hear these footsteps running on old like stone flooring. Um, but we tend to keep a lot of the evidence to ourselves because as a group especially if we're going into people's houses to help them it's not about the pub it's not like putting it up there for ghost adventures or most haunted it's kind of like uh, we respect the people's privacies we got conversations that i've had for like an hour with this particular couple talking about the experiences that them and their family have had and it's an interesting listen and if you put it out there, it would be a really interesting like podcast episode, to be fair. But respecting their privacy and all that kind of stuff, we just put it together as like a um, 
what do you call um i'm trying to think of the word but just like a a car like a record of, of what yeah you did, a record of, of the of documenting the journey we go on with those people so it's it's all about just putting it in one place and saying actually we can see where the problems come so mm. it's it, it, it's a challenge at times because so much evidence to go through sometimes and you'll be watching video clips for like hours just thinking there's nothing even happening but you have to go through the motions just to 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 make sure that you haven't missed something so yeah absolutely man it sounds uh sounds really interesting and obviously anybody who's interested in that side of it can check out you guys podcast and i'm sure you'll be updating uh various findings that you that you come up against mm. um so have you guys ever actually seen a, a ufo that sort of co- coincided with one of your uh paranormal investigations no no unfortunately not we when me and ash went to Canuck Chase, that was our aim. We were going to try and see a cryptid. We were going to try and see a UFO and potentially ghosts at the same time. We were in the, the hot spot. Uh, unfortunately not. It was pissing it down with rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oft, often the issue that we have in this country, isn't it? Uh, the, the rain tends to get in the way of a lot of things. But, um, yeah, Ash, let's, uh, let's talk about your um, uh, little kind of field investigations that, that you do as well, like your uh, Skywatch events and that kind of thing. Um, so have you had much results from those? Like how, how do they work? If you can go into that a little bit, please. Yeah, so we started hosting Skywatches basically since lockdown, sort of got relaxed uh, last year so people could meet together outdoors and stuff. And so we just put it into our group, you have a Skywatch in this place on this date. The people are free to come. We've had up to like 14, 15 people come along to some of our sky watches. Really friendly, social, relaxed. And the people have been the binoculars, cameras, laser pointers, bring what they want. And obviously warm clothes and hot drinks because it gets pretty cold on tops of mountains at middle of the night. Uh, yeah, and we just basically sit down, watch the skies. Someone just sees something that may be unusual or just a light, point it out, and other people can then so I look on the app, see if there's any planes in the area, have a look through the equipment. And then obviously some people have some really good equipment. Some of the people that come along have got military grade scopes and recording equipment like and um, infrared binoculars, which is just like worth thousands of pounds and it's absolutely fantastic equipment. You can just see through the clouds and like it's like no be a cloudy night, look through these binoculars and there's no clouds there. You can just see all the stars, all the satellites, everything's going past. Turns up results, um, different opinions. There's people that, like on the same night, we can two people can see the same thing. One person believes it to just be a satellite or a plane. The other person believes it to be a genuine anomalous instant. We had nothing concrete. Um, to be fair, it's, for me, it's more about the just being out there, just being with like-minded people which can be quite hard to find people that share this interest. Mm. Um, it's hard like online is okay, but you get a lot of arguing and not nice comments online. So to be able to be meeting up these past like eight or nine months with other people, meeting new people, just sitting in the field, watching the sky, having a chat about UFOs. It's just, that's what it's about. It's about building the community and people can have a space and a place where they know they can go. And talk about it and not be judged and i think that's what sort of the aim of the whole ufo identified thing was to 
bring people together where you can just share the, your interest in it. Yeah, it sounds fantastic, man. And, and I'm definitely going to be trying to come along to the next one that you do as soon as I'm, it's, sometimes can't make it with various other bits and bobs going on, but really going to try and get along to the next one that you guys uh, put together. And uh, I'll probably talk about it on the podcast and, and tweet it and stuff. So anybody who is in the area, it'd be amazing to get a few extra people down there oh, and see yeah. what we can see. Eh? Definitely. Yeah, so... Have you ever tried a much like CE5 side of things with your Skywatches or is it more just kind of observing what's there? Have you ever actually tried to get into that side of it? No, I've not. I've intended to. Uh, I know a couple of people around the Northwest where we're based that run CE5 groups and CE5 meetings. I've been wanting to get along to to one and just experience it because I am, I was a little bit sceptical that side of the field. Um, obviously very open-minded. Just want to try it for myself, go along with people that know what they're doing and just experience it. And I've like spoken with the people that run the group and happy for me to document it, uh, like pictures or videos if I wanted to, uh, just to sort of, like I say, just try it out. But I, I am so hopeful in the next couple of months I will get out to a CE5 meeting and just experience it because I am, like I say, a bit sceptical at the minute. Yeah, I think a healthy healthy dose of scepticism definitely uh, necessary with those types of things. But like you say, I'm sort of on the same uh, on the same wavelength with it. It's uh, it's fascinating, and I've seen certain things online that definitely point towards something going on. But unless you actually see it with your own eyes and you yeah. you know you you turn up and try it, it's it's uh, it's difficult to say anything with any certainty. Uh, a couple of people put me in touch with some CE5 groups actually in the UK, and I was gonna try to go along uh to some of their meetups but they're all quite far down south so if there is anybody listening to this who's interested in ce5 and wants to do a bit of sky watching next time there's one on more than welcome to come and join us so yeah um one thing that one of my listeners actually asked me uh to ask both of you i guess but uh, i'm not not sure who would know the most about this but dave smethers wanted me to ask do you guys know of any cryptid sightings uh, in the UK, uh, in the north of the UK in particular, and any sort of um, networks of, of researchers who, who actually specialise in, in that side of things? So um, to answer Dave's question, hey, Dave, I know Dave of uh, Twitter and UFO stuff. Um, so I've not done that much research into sort of the north, but the UK as a whole, there is a lot of sightings. I think with the Northwest is pretty populated, pretty heavily built in big cities, near to other big cities. There's not that much sort of open land. However, I belong to a group called the Bigfoot Research Team UK. I'm actually the team leader for the Northwest. However, because of COVID, again, we've not been able to sort of get out there. But we have, so our team's UK based. We have teams from different regions of the UK. And we receive reports to our website. And then whoever's for that area, and then go and investigate that report. Like I say, we've not I've been able to do too much because of COVID, but we are actually going out in a couple of weeks to do a bit of a feet on the ground uh, investigation somewhere in the northwest. Not decided where we're going to go yet. Going to, so that's what I'm doing at the minute. Actually, is trying to see where there has been sightings in the north, and then we're going to go there for overnight to see if we can find anything. But to answer the question, uh, not they haven't found anything specifically. Any thoughts on that there, Greg? Um, it's it's a fairly new one to me because until we started doing a podcast, uh, 
hadn't even really thought about any kind of cryptid activity in the UK. We talked about um, some wild man uh, and that kind of um, phenomena. And hence we went to, to Cannock Chase um, trying to look for or see if we would see anything like that. Um, but it's, it's definitely not an area I'm, I'm fully um, knowledgeable about, only from like the normal American Bigfoot sort of stuff. It is fascinating. And we do speak to people who are like, I can't see how the UK can have any kind of Bigfoot because people... We're too small. People would, um, people would see it a lot. Um, but then when we we start talking about portals uh, and UFO related activity, seeing where there's sort of Bigfoot, it kind of opens up the possibility that yeah, there could be. The reason we're not seeing that stuff is a they're they're interdimensional or they go through some kind of portal. Um, so I. <laughs> As crazy as the conversation is, and had I've had, or me and Ash talk about this a lot, if we'd have had this conversation before we started the podcast, that in 2022 we'd be talking about Bigfoot in the UK, UFOs, poltergeists, and everything else we cover off, I would have thought I was mental. But I'm definitely open to the possibility we speak to to people there's a guy called ben from 401 files and he actively goes out and spends nights in locations where there's been sightings or there's some kind of story of a wild man or bigfoot or whatever you want to call it um and he's he's passionate about it so and when you speak to people like that you go actually if you're that into it some something something's got to be there um and some of the stories he's got to tell quite quite freaky um so yeah i'm open in answer to your question i'm open to the idea but i don't know if it's if it is a thing in the uk i have actually got a cryptid sighting myself i actually just completely forgot about this um so when we talk about cryptids obviously that includes big cats and i was driving home i used to work at a casino as the uh, podcast supervisor in the casino in Manchester. I used to live in Warrington. So I used to drive home at four or five in the morning. I think it was a Sunday morning, about half three, four o'clock in the morning. And it's just obviously empty road. It's a uh, like a main A road going into Warrington from the M62. And I saw, there's a roundabout, and I saw ahead of the roundabout, just past it was a big, it's a big cat. It was a large, like a medium-sized dog, but it was a cat. So it's the size of a big dog, but it was a cat, and it's clearly walked like a cat. It was like a, 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 a guile of a cat. So I drive towards it, it's like, what the hell? And it just went off into the bush inside the road. I pulled over, because I was like, what if I just saw? And then I started getting a bit creeped out, like, I was going, it's four in the morning, it's pitch black, there's no other cars about at all, I'm just going to get out of here. So I drove home, didn't really think about it. I, I texted my partner and said, like, just remember this date and time because I saw something on this road at this date and time. In the future, I've got that like date and time when I needed it. And I sort of just forgot about it. Wishing I had a dash cam. I've been thinking about getting a dash cam for ages and never got one. I was like, why didn't I have a dash cam? It would have definitely caught it. And then a couple months later, I hadn't even thought about it. I'm talking to my brother's a bit into sort of conspiracies and stuff. And he mentioned something about cryptids. And just 
reminded me about it. It's like, oh, I saw what looked like a large cat, like a dog, big dog-sized cat. And I put in, like just on Google, and I put in big cat sightings, Warrington. And all the results were where I saw it, going back about four, five, six years. There had been quite a few reports in that same like area where I'd seen it. I was just like, wow, like, this is something <laughs> right near where I live. Yeah. But whereas you wouldn't think it, it's just like a built, bit of a built-up area. There's some countryside in that sort that side of Warrington, but it's just like, I just shocked when I just Googled it, Warrington, and then where I saw it was all the results of different people reporting seeing this this large cat. So there's one to have a look for. Yeah, I think while we, were, while we were talking about this, I think the only one I really recall in the UK, apart from, I suppose, the Loch Ness monster we could probably class as a, as a as a cryptid, but there was the when I was younger there was the beast of Bodmin. Is that a thing, or have I just imagined that as that's a thing? That's a thing. It was like it was Random like a, a wall, isn't it? Yeah, some kind of like wild cat that was seen roaming through the fields or whatever. But I don't really know. I sort of always just put it down to oh, it may have just been you know somebody had an exotic pet and the exotic pet may have escaped at some point and sort of just shelved it in the back of my mind and like like you were saying, Greg, you know if somebody had said to me a year ago that I would have even been considering these kinds of things, uh, I would have been like, no, there's no way. But then you know you hear about these skinwalkers at the Pentagon. There is that that weirdness is inevitable. You know if you're looking at the UFO topic, you know you're going to come across some of that sort of stuff, just shadow people. There was a case recently of um, a, a guy who was working in a, a nuclear facility and, and they, they saw orbs floating above the place and then a shadow person and things like that. Um, and, and, and those kind of things are just unavoidable, really. It's a, you know, it's a, a part of it when you, when you dig beneath the surface, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so with these sort of unprecedented times with the, the Pentagon you know, openly admitting that UFOs are real and the the growing mainstream awareness, particularly in the States, obviously, slowly catching up here in the UK, and the new UAP office in the works and the Galileo project putting together a really strong team to scientifically look into this. Where do you both feel the UFO topic is going as we go along? And uh, you guys can choose who wants to go first on that one. You go first, Ash. You're the expert. Uh, that's the expert. Um, <laughs> Out of the two of us, you definitely are. <laughs> um, so, obviously, I follow quite closely all the like the happenings in America, and I think it's... I don't know, it's hard. I think it's just hard to know what to trust and who to trust. Because even if like they, they got this new office, and even if they did do these yearly reports of what's being reported, you still don't know what's true, what's not, what isn't being told, what is being told. What's some parts of some stories are going to be told, other parts aren't going to be told. And like, like they lied to us for 70 years. So why now do we think that they're going to tell us the truth? It's just going to be another, is it just another distraction? Oh, it's getting a lot of pressure on us at the minute. Let's do something just to appease them for a bit, but not actually tell them anything that's important. So I think, I think time will tell. It could be years. I think when we look back in... 20 years maybe we look back and think actually yeah these few years were the big turning point but I don't think we'll know that until years down the line we've actually been able to get some reports get some information and see what they're actually telling us if anything I think I think the same um I take my lead from from Ash really um but from a like a, a normal person 
So, uh, like, I'm I'm not the UFO expert. I I think it's it's been really exciting the last couple of years. Um, I I listen to say Joe Rogan's podcast. I know that's quite a touchy subject at the moment, but um, when he's got the likes of Commander Favor on his podcast talking about the Tic Tac um, and the US Nimitz and, and the events that happened 15, 16 years ago, and then you've got the videos that come out a few years ago, I think all of that seems to to show that it's now being accepted that, like you say, the, the government are saying that UFOs are real. You've got these mainstream I say mainstream, but like high-profile influencers like Joe Rogan having guests on openly talking about UFO experiences they're having. There, he's got Travis Walton's been on there, and it's all to the forefront of people who have never experienced UFO subject before. And I think it seems to have ramped up. You see it in the press regularly um, that these UFOs are over wherever and mysterious objects spotted um the internet is awash with ufo sightings um and for somebody like a a normal person like myself um that's definitely been an upward trajectory over the last couple of years so i think it's i think it's great but i think what ash is saying is or from what ash says it is going to be a little while before we get anything if if anything at all because they what are they actually telling us the truth so yeah you don't know they they never told us the truth before so why would they start telling us the truth now there's a there's usually a reason why they give the information out and it's either like ash said just to give us a little tidbit now just to keep the wolves away from the door um but it it might all be lies anyway Um, yeah, it's the, it's the possibility of uh, disinfo as well, isn't it? Because you've got to think that there's, you know, sort of amongst amongst the people who are the closest to really understanding what's going on. Because again, you know, it's that thing you talk about the say the American government because that's kind of the the place where all the main events have been happening over the last few years. You know, the government's absolutely huge; it's a massive organization. But if if we're just talking about the actual people who are closest to the, the reality like that they actually are, are the closest to knowing what's actually going on and the extent of what you know is held in terms of materials and data and so on some of those people are going to be interested in keeping this secret for whatever reasons as it has been for the last however many decades and some of those people perhaps now are starting to you know think more along the lines of more transparency you know, and that kind of thing. And the people who are, who are trying to, to keep those secrets, you've got to think there's going to be some kind of disinformation efforts, you know, and, and certain, you know, things, if you put them out into the public eye, could actually increase the stigma again, all over again. What, what do you guys think about that, the, the possibility of disinfo? Do you think there's any specific aspects of the conversation around UFOs that is disinfo, for example? I think, again, it's hard to tell at the minute, but I think looking back in the future, we'll be able to see, like, sort of pinpoint what was coming out and when and what that might have been, if that disinf- that's disinformation. And I think with, like, with disinformation as well as what is being reported, is, as well as with investigations, you've got to approach it with a sceptical mind. And I think that applies to 
just looking at the news, looking at what is being officially released. There's a lot of people just have jumped into it. I just got really excited. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Whereas you've got you got to stand back and just again approach like an investigation. Apply the skeptical mind first. What is it? What isn't it? And then you got to do that to find out what the actual answer could be. But again, I don't think we're going to know for some time. And I think we're in, I think we're in the midst of it. And I think these few years will be the pivotal turning point of modern ufology. And we we experience now, so it, it is exciting. But it's also you got to sort of take that step back, like I say, and just think, okay, let's just weigh it up. Is what's being said true? Who who who's saying it and why? And just approach it that way. But like I say, we're not going to find out. I think for maybe a decade or more. Hmm. I think I personally think there's a bit of a danger with like. I mean, I think UFO Twitter overall is great. You know, it's been a great way for me to connect with people and whatnot, especially since starting the podcast. But, you know, sometimes it can be almost like an addiction to new stuff, you know what I mean, to the point where it's like really exciting things are happening and another really exciting thing happens and then somebody comes out from behind the scenes and and then that kind of creates like an appetite. People want the next thing. And in some cases that can mean that you're, too eager I mean, not yeah. you guys obviously but just people in general can be a bit too eager to to kind of grab the next thing in and that's fertile ground for disinformation isn't it because all you've got to do is think of a well-constructed backstory put somebody out there and lead everybody down this direction with a carrot whilst the, the real information's going the other way yeah, so you, see, you see it time and time again whether it be a new twitter account or a new reddit account and it'd be a story or a bit of trailer for something that's going to be coming and then everyone sort of jumps in it like oh this is something's happening this guy's got this story but you do a little like a little bit of search into it you think actually no this guy's full of shit mm. but then it's got ten thousand retweets or upvotes and then that gets it popular but then two months later nothing's happened that guy disappeared off twitter or disappeared off reddit and the story's just dead but you see time and again, time and time again, the same thing happening. Like say, people are eager. People want to see something because it has been fairly quiet, I guess, in terms of new videos, new information. Uh, like, like when like Corbell releases a new video, or when the like the gimbal titap videos were released, we got quite a lot in a short space of time. Then we had the task force report last year, setting up at the new office. But apart from the actual bit of legislation, there's not really been anything come out that's new. For a while, so I think so. So, so, so when something does come along where someone's saying, oh, "I've got this video," or I'm an ex investigator for OSAP, and I've got this fantastic story, people want to believe it because they want something, the next big thing, mm-hmm. and they just believe it too easily, and that then gives it momentum. So more people start believing it, even though it's it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the danger, isn't it? But you know, like you said, I think the important thing is to have like a proper you know, analysis, like process, rather than just being excited by the shiny new thing or whatever, isn't it? And, you know, I think segues quite nicely, actually, onto what I was going to talk about next, which which is the uh, UFO-identified UFO report for 2021, where you guys have actually put together, like, um, sort of a 
uh, a compilation of, of all different cases and you've included like graphs and, and you know maps as to where all yeah. the hotspots are and things like that and, and and that kind of thing is is what it's all about I think you know putting it all together as, as data that can be properly read through and people can make their own judgments and that kind yeah. of thing so how did that come about how can people find it and were there any particular cases or statistics that you found particularly interesting yeah so the main reason I started doing this and UFO identifier sort of as a whole because I started getting back into the subject about four or five years ago seriously I became an investigator for Bufora the British UFO Research Association I did that for a couple of years and then when lockdown first started with Covid I was furloughed from the casino job we like the, we like the first places to close and so I had all this time on my hands so I thought right I'm going to do some serious study now into like what's happening in the UK. I couldn't find much. It was all like American stuff, or it was all from UK stuff, but from the nineties and the eighties. I was struggling to find anything that was happening today. That's when I thought, right, I'm going to try and fill this gap of what's happening today, what's being seen, what's being reported, the cases that are happening today, not what happened twenty years ago, which is still important. But I was interested in current day news, so I started uh, just for my own sort of my own reasons, just collecting all the sightings from all different databases, so I'm UFON, uh, National UFO Reporting Centre, uh, Truth Proof, reports that come to us, all different places. I was just collecting them from my own sort of information. I wasn't publishing them anywhere. I just, just in my head, I was just doing my own sort of research. So I was doing that for a few months, and then I thought, the people always ask me about any sightings here, any sightings there. So I thought, how can I get this online? So I created the website, and there's a, the sighting database on there. So we collect all the reports from all different places and put them into one database. So you can see at a glance what's being reported and then you can search by region and all this as well. And like by shape, by color, all these different things. And last year there was over 400 sightings that we managed to collect that's just publicly available on the internet, but it's all in one place. And then monthly we do sort of a quick snapshot of what we've seen last month in like the more popular area. And then, like I said, they mentioned the UK UFO report 2021 is a look back at the whole of the year. So we see which area of the UK had the most sightings, uh, what sort of, what was being reported the most, when and where. And uh, like I say, over 400 sightings, there was one really interesting day, which was actually in January uh, 2021. So in the month of January, there's five reports that involved a triangle going back to triangles again mm-hmm. uh, so there's five reports that involved a triangle shape being reported four of them were within one 16 hour period so that just stuck out to me straight away it was like in 16 hours there's four different actual reported sightings of the black triangle now all down the west corridor of england so it's like from manchester it's actually stockport i think it was and then like midlands and then sort of somerset bristol way and one in south wales but all seem to be along this little corridor. You know, like within a 16 hour period, there was these four sightings. So that sort of stuck out as, I wasn't able to get too much more information on them because it's just reports made to other sort of databases. So I couldn't really dig deep into actually investigating them sightings, but it just stuck out definitely that these four sightings occurred in the same day, pretty much all in like a, it looked like it had gone down the edge of the country, mm. this triangle. They could have all been not related, but they could have been. Uh, and then on the 22nd of April, uh, I did an investigation. There was eight sightings on that day. 
but four were very, very similar. They were all different parts of the country, and there's pictures of each of them. So you have four pictures, all very, very similar pictures of what appears to be this white object. First glance, it looks like a balloon. And when I first saw the pictures, I was like, yeah, that's a mylar balloon. It gets reported quite often as a UFO. But I was like, yeah, that's a mylar balloon. But digging into it, I don't think it was. From the reports made by the people reporting it, the descriptions of the movements and how it appeared didn't match that of a mylar balloon. And my report is about eight or nine pages. Involved um, FOI requests to the Ministry of Defence and to the Civil Aviation Authority. Because there was also in the site in the region of one sighting, there was what the AWACS plane, the radar plane that you see, was basically moving around this one area where one of the sightings was, like less than twenty minutes later, after this reported sighting. And when you look at the flight path, it's a very erratic flight path. It had gone up to Scotland originally, and then come back down, and then started this really erratic movement in the area where this sighting was. So we requested the flight details from the MOD and they confirmed, yeah, it, on a pre-planned routine flight. So I asked again, response back to him and said, well, was the, okay, so the flight was pre-planned, fair enough, but was the end of the flight where it started doing these erratic movements, was that part of it or was that in response to something that had been reported or seen? And I basically said that the flight data had been deleted and they couldn't tell me if that was the intended route or not because and this was less than a month after the sighting so they were like no we, the flight date has been deleted so obviously I, I fought back after that but not be able to get anything from it but if you look at the report they, I put the flight path on the report and image of it and you can see like that's not the flight path that it would usually take it just doesn't make sense it's just to be so close in the same area after a sighting like 20 minutes after one of these objects was seen, it just adds a bit of it could have been something mm. that was seen. Yeah. And and for anybody who's who's interested in checking out the report, that's on, on the website, isn't it? Um ufoidentified.co.uk is is that the yeah, one? That's it, yeah. Spot on. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend people go check that out. It's uh, I was having a read through early today, uh, really interesting. And like I say, I particularly like the the, the graphs and the uh, the maps and stuff with the hot spots of where the sightings have been. Yeah, really. well, I like the reason why I do that as well is um, I like to deal in facts. And obviously, in this subject, there's very little actual truth that you can say for sure that this happened, this happened. It's a lot of this could happen, it's witness testimony, it's good to hear, but it's no, there's not much hard evidence. With these sightings, no matter what these sightings are, because obviously 95% of sightings are, end up being explained. But regardless of what these sightings are, the fact is that on my like from the date that I've got, there were 430 UFO sightings reported last year. That's fact. Just no matter what each of those sightings were, the fact that there were 430 reported sightings, that, that's that's hard data. Again, like I say, I've broken it down into where where the hotspots were, uh, when things are being seen, what was being seen, and that's all data, that's all true. To put it in a in a way that that is what was reported, and that like it isn't someone just saying it. it's not me just saying it that they were reported last year. Yeah, yeah, no, ex- exactly, and, and I'm I'm the same. It's like 
I, I, I try to be as, as open-minded as possible with, with all the various different aspects of this. But really, at the end of the day, that, that kind of hard you know, data and, and things that you can actually, you know, tangible information that you can really get stuck into is, is very important. I think if you actually want to get to to the bottom of it, which is why I'm really excited about, you know, the Galileo project and, and all that side of things. So what have you guys got planned for, for the coming year then on the podcast? And uh, Greg, have you got any uh, paranormal investigations upcoming? Uh, paranormal investigations, um, I think we're going to try and get back to the ancient ramming. And um, I'm coming got, this time. Yeah, so me and Ash actually want to go and do a podcast from there, um, which would be amazing, um, especially if there's just a few of us there. Um, that would be quite incredible, and hopefully uh, we can sort that out. Um, we've got loads of guests coming up. Um, we're actually starting to get ahead of ourselves quite a bit, which is which is good. Um, got some. We've had some really good ones on, and we've got some good ones coming up as well. Um, and the we've got the UFO side, but also like the poltergeist seems to be uh, a subject that people like like listening to. So we've got some poltergeist stuff coming up soon as well. Um, it should be a good year, eh? Exciting yeah, we, times we, ahead. Yeah, we try we try and cover off loads of different subjects um, and not concentrate. So each of the episodes, we don't try and clump too many of the same ones together. So we try and have a mix of of all the different types of, of paranormal stuff. Um, so we we're just getting people messaging us now saying, "Come and come on your show." So that's that's really encouraging. Um, so yeah, it's exciting times for us. We're we're on the up, I think. So yeah, as I say, I think you we guys were a bit a bit a bit ahead of your time, really. Eh? Paranormal <laughs> and UFOs together before Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, I guess. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ash? Have you got anything exciting in the pipeline? Yes, definitely. So podcast side of it, like I say, we've always done at least one episode a week. We now since last year we've done at least two episodes every week which is hard work but we do manage it and we are going to increase that a little bit more greg's like oh no but <laughs> just keep <laughs> episodes ufo identifier side of things so we have lots of stuff in the pipeline there's a couple there's two things that are almost finalized that i just want to just get out and say yes we're doing this but i can't say it until we actually got everything finalized but there's some very exciting stuff coming up some of it's pretty unique as well i think so i'm excited to be able to tell people about that. So that's two events. We've got one in March coming up. Should be announced very soon. We've got one in the summer. And then we've got our uh, mini con. It's going to be at the end of the year, uh, in the autumn again, like it was last year, which was, like I say, you've, you've talked about it a few times on your podcast, which I just thank you for because I just love I'm just listening to an episode the next minute I hear the mini con pop up in an episode. I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's talking about the mini con again. But yeah, that was, um, that was an amazing day. And I just thank everyone that came and supported us. It was just. Awesome. I say we sold out that mini con. Our very first time we've done anything like that at all. We planned it in like two months. It's supposed to be something small for our members and it just catapulted into this big biggest conference in the UK last year. Um with some awesome speakers. So yeah, so we'll look so we're doing that again in the autumn, which we again everything's in the sort of planning stage. So we're so close to finalising the next couple of events so we can then announce them. So keep an eye on our social media and we'll uh, be posting them soon. Yeah, definitely check that out, guys. Um, so 
that's pretty much all we've got time for. So do you guys want to just let the listeners know where they can find you on the social media and that kind of thing? Yes, yeah, so we're on Facebook, um, facebook.com forward slash Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. We're on Instagram at Pursuit of the Paranormal. We've got a website, pursuitoftheparanormal.co.uk. Um, we're both on Twitter. Um, we've even got a TikTok now, <laughs> which, yeah, we're, we're, we're proper cool with the kids now. Um, Facebook is, is sort of the main bit people contact us through. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on uh, Google Podcasts. We're on Apple. We're everywhere that you can get your podcast. I'm sure we're, we're there. Um, so, yeah, if you search Pursuit of the Paranormal, where that will pretty much get you to us. Um, and then, obviously, Ash, you've got your UFO stuff. Yeah, that's just ufoidentified.co.uk. And on Facebook, our group is UFO Identified page and UFO Identified Northwest Division. That's where the main community group is, where we do sky watching and stuff. That's like a local group to us. So, yeah, search was on there. Brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you both very much. Cheers, Frank. UFO Thinker Podcast. Podcast.